30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard The portal is open. The magic is flowing. You're listening to This Podcast is a Ritual. I'm Devin Person. Today we've got some very special friends of mine, Sean Dunn and Cass Greener. I met Sean and Cass several years ago, right after the first article about me being a wizard came out on Daily Dot. I just finished my Kickstarter spell to enter World B, and this press had come out, and I was just so excited for really things to come together. And I got an email a day or two after the article went out from someone asking me to come be on their podcast. And I was so thrilled for the invitation. But as I read the email, I realized that the podcast was called Very Vape. And I had this moment of crisis where I thought, oh my God, do I, do I want to be on someone's weird vape podcast? Is this, is this some weird Joe Rogan bro that wants to talk to me about vaping for an hour and a half. Jeez, I don't know if I want to do that. But I clicked the link to see what their vape podcast was all about and went to their website and realized that it was not very vape. It was very ape. And they were the team of documentarians that had made the incredible uh, American Juggalo, which I'd seen and loved several years prior to that. So I was very excited to go meet them and be on their podcast. We had a great chat. And then at the end, as soon as the, the audio stopped re- recording, they turned to me and said, look, man, this was this was just a ruse. We just wanted to be friends with you. And we've built up a friendship since then. And they were actually the ones that were encouraging me to explore a podcast of my own. So they're sort of the godparents of this podcast as a ritual. Fantastic documentarians. They've made American Juggalo, Florida Man, Cam Girl, Oxiana. Uh, we'll talk about all of those in the podcast. And then they also have their own podcast, Very Ape, where they interview all kinds of psychonauts and spiritual leaders. And sometimes they just hang around and smoke pot and talk to each other. It's a lot of fun. Let's get into it with Sean and Cass of Very Ape. Sean and Cass, welcome to Ritual Space. Yes, we're here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being here. Uh, what's our magic word going to be? Mm, manifest. Manifest. All right. One, two, three. Manifest. manifest. Destiny. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. No, you don't apologize. It. It's great. <laughs> it's all about that destiny. We're connecting with everyone now. Mm. We're all sharing timeless space. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the amazing, beautiful work that you guys do of seeing people hearing their stories and giving giving voices or sharing the voices i guess i would mm. say of of so many people whether they're um guests on your podcast and psychonauts and explorers and thinkers or people that are kind of forgotten by society that you're 
finding in your documentaries and showing yeah. showing their humanity, which is I think really really important. Yeah, um, it's been the most important thing I think we ever took on was like you know and, and you know like I started this whole journey ten years ago and you don't even realize what it's about at first. I just thought I wanted to tell cool stories, and then you realize like oh I can be I can amplify some some people that would otherwise be totally forgotten and i could do it in a cinematic way that's like entertaining and funny and you know not super uptight like a lot of documentaries have gotten lately just like a looser vibe where you can actually just feel like you're you're with people like creating a space where you feel like you're with people mm. well so american juggalo was that the first one or was that just the first one that really broke out yeah i think that was it wasn't even the first one that broke out the first one i made was called the archive and that was just a seven minute short about uh the guy with the world's largest record collection that was 10 years ago yeah. and i had no idea what i was doing i just knew how i wanted to tell the story and vaguely what it should look like and i made it and had this seven minute little thing and then i was just kind of sitting with this and didn't know what to do with it in 2008 and i got mono and i was just uh, you know at home for two three weeks just no energy to do anything yeah mono like, sucks it's the worst yeah. man it's the worst i got it from creeping around williamsburg <laughs> I, I had it in high school and i remember that i kept taking showers because somehow in my mind mm. it was like you'll feel better if you take a shower and i take a shower I'm like nope i'm just i'm just sick in the shower now yeah. just sick and wet it's a different kind of sickness too you're just like oh, oh. um but i was like let me use this time wisely and i posted that film on the internet which there wasn't really like a lot of people doing that i guess at the time just before just before that was really going on and I submitted it to uh, Sundance Film Festival, and it got in. And uh, yeah, that was 10 years ago, and that started this whole thing. And if, as the years went on, I was just like, you know, really all I have the resources to do is make like one short film a year. And even those had to be like one shoot day. And American Juggalo was the first time that we were like, let's really, like, let's dig in a little bit. Let's get out there for days. Let's like bring a crew of people. And, you know, it was just a bigger production, right, Cass, wouldn't you say? It was just a bigger production and decision. And it's almost like we knew it was going to be a hit. Yeah, it felt like a, a switching it up. You know, a lot of profile pieces is what was going on. Mm -hmm. And we were like, all right, this is going to be like, we're going into a scene. Yeah. We got to bring back a vibe of a scene, not just one person. And I think that's what you guys did so well with that. Because there was, Juggalos had been a joke and a thing that maybe, you know, Vice people were going and reporting back on this. Mm. But it was always some some person who wasn't of that world yeah. delving into their own thoughts about it. Yeah. And it was their think piece and it was their journey mm -hmm. in the land of the Juggalos, I think is the famous Vice one. And then you guys did something totally different where you just took yourselves out of the equation yeah. and you just showed these people for who they were and how they wanted to tell their story. Yeah. And where did that, where did the interest in Juggalos come from? What led you to be at the gathering that year? Um, I feel like I knew about them in high school, like back in like 98, mm -hmm. like I heard about them. Like they were a big deal in high school in 98. Yeah. In 98, sure. they were just like whoop, whoop. terrifying. I was just like, I just can't imagine anything like that. And I don't know, years go by. And then I remember, the gathering of the Juggalos before the one we went to, Tila Tequila was performing there and they like threw shit at her and chased her off stage. And I was, I remember reading this and being like, damn, the Juggalos are still doing their thing. They're, they're still this scary and terrifying. Wow. This is crazy. Like, I guess I have to go towards that. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like something we had to do. And I just thought the title American Juggalo just was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I thought that was so funny to me at the time. And I was like, how has no one done something just to use that title? Right. It doesn't even matter what it is just to use that title. 
And so, uh, yeah, we, we were like, I remember we were making another movie about our friend Johnny Fritz. We were doing like a profile on him. <clears throat> it's really cool. It's called Stray Dog. And at the time, <clears throat> my cinematographer, Hillary, her and um, or the other camera person, Jeff Powers, were like, what's the next one? What's the next one? And I thought I was joking. I was like, American Juggalo. We're going to the, the gathering. And they, they just started laughing. And I was like, this could be fucking cool. So we went and like, I feel like, Cass, you described this so well, like, they, we didn't know what to expect, and then they taught us how to live. But we definitely didn't expect that. Yeah. And that's when it's like, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. When, when juggalos are becoming a vehicle for awakening, then you've really hit on something. You're getting free. You're not just getting high anymore. When you're high, you got to come down. You know, when people will bring you down, things will bring you down, stress will bring you down, juggalos will bring you down. When you're getting free those things that might have terrified you are are getting you more free. They're waking you up. So I feel like the Juggalos got us, in a way, addicted to that level of like, all right, we're, find out where the boundaries of your heart space are and then go there and make films about those people and expand your heart. Yeah. And then thus, maybe, hopefully, please let that happen for the audience when they receive this, and which isn't always the case, but we do our best, you know. Well, there's two things that I think are really powerful there, which is one, the idea of going towards what you're afraid of, mm-hmm. which is hard to put in terms of advice because there's a lot of things that you're afraid of that like, yeah, stay away from that. That's that's obviously <laughs> a bad idea. Like, don't do that. Like, yeah. this is not going to be universal. Mm. But I think sometimes those really big moments when like the big magic is going to come, mm-hmm. it is this resistance that you feel as this thing pushing you in the other direction and you got to go, no, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to walk into the headwind and just do it. Yeah. And then what you said about it was a joke. Yeah. American Juggalo was an idea that made you laugh. It made your friends laugh. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think has come with my wizardry is just mm-hmm. I'll have an idea. And I'm like, that's so funny. That has to be in the world. Yeah. Other people have to be able to tap into that. That has to exist. That's how we met you. We, you know, someone sent us your Kickstarter and, and you know, shit was $4 and 20 cents and like, you know, like stuff like that. I was like, Oh, no, that one was $420. That's, that was, you know, yeah. that's a pretty penny right there. Yeah. But you know, I remember just being like, Oh, this guy, he gets it. He, I don't even need to know much more than what I saw on this Kickstarter page to know, like you have a sense of levity about what you do. And you know, I feel like that's very important when you're going to do what you do and what I do and what Cass does. We listen. We listen to mm-hmm. people. And to, to develop those skills, you really have to have a sense of forgiveness about yourself. And when you have a sense of forgiveness about yourself, you can have a sense of humor about yourself. And I sense that from you before we even met. So it was cool, though, that we met and then like became friends beyond this joke of a thing that you know it wasn't even a joke but like we became friends beyond this like this podcast that we did together that could have just been like a cool conversation that we moved on from but well you guys were a big inspiration for me doing my podcast it's been it's been quite the journey i'll smoke to that uh but so i with the moment where you're heading out did you guys drive out to the gathering we flew you flew and then drove from tennessee and were you guys nervous? What were you thinking coming in? I was so scared. Oh, my God. I was just, like, nervous. I was scared. I was very intimidated. It was a very early, uh, you know, shoot for me being a mm-hmm. producer. You were 22 years old. I was 22 years old. I yeah. was definitely a little nervous. And, you know, we get there, we drive in, and and we drive right to the backstage. 
and they're first like, of all we show up with no tickets yeah we didn't even bring, buy tickets we didn't buy tickets we didn't have press passes we had nothing lined up we just drove in in a white van straight past security straight past everything and just went backstage and just parked next to icp's tour bus oh my god <laughs> and we're like this is gonna be a cool shoot they're fucking letting us do anything here five minutes later there's people like surrounding us saying get the fuck out of here what are you doing what you don't have permission and then I feel like that really relegated us to being amongst the fans the whole time. Whereas the rest of the quote unquote media hacks, they stay in this little area. They have no idea what's going on besides mm-hmm. what's happening on stage. And, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was, it, it was scary in a way that it was to me, um, like, and I think when Cass says this too, we're saying it's scary in a way of like, we have to keep a production under control. Yeah. We have seven, have eight people with Expensive us. cameras. Really expensive stuff. And people are just throwing Fago all over the place. We have skinny jean crew, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we were a different vibe. But honestly, it's the least judged I've ever felt. Really? Like, I've never walked into a space and felt completely accepted in my being. And it was, like, one of the most beautiful transformative experiences just being there. I'm like, these are open, loving people that I want to be around. Not only do I want to be around them, but I want to be like them. And we are like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People just like us. Mm-hmm. So, because this seemed like there was a moment where there was more and more attention being paid. So was there, was there any of that backlash of people being wary or apprehensive about? Yeah, at first. Because um, ICP got on stage. Like, they, they perform the last night or yeah. some shit like that. They got on stage at one point, like, as soon as we got there and said, fuck the media, fuck everyone's depiction of us, because it was. It was rotten at the time. Awful, yeah. It was terrible. So they got up there and said, don't fucking talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Fuck that, especially MTV. And everyone thought we were MTV. Uh-huh. So we would get out into a crowd and, you know, someone's talking to us in a regular interview and someone's screaming off camera like, don't fucking talk to them. They had a saying for it too. They kept screaming out like "fuck the media" or some shit like that. It's pre-Trump. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So there, there was that. There was that little bit of like um, resistance about our presence for a second. But the thing is, what we do, we're such juggalos ourselves that like you can't really hate on us or our crew because we're kind of getting fucked up ourselves mm-hmm. and kind of trying to have our own good time. And our own good time just involves taking out the camera every now and then. And, I I don't know this because I'm not around other documentarians, but like we don't shoot that much. Really? No, we don't shoot that much. I hear about people that shoot fucking 16 hour days, 12 hour days, even an eight hour day would be crazy for us. We're on like hour four, and Sean's like, "That's good, we got it." Like that's that's enough. Because for me, I'm not there unless I completely visualize this whole thing. I'm not spending my own money on a project like we do because I don't get funding from anywhere else. I'm not spending my own money unless I can completely picture it. And know what the essence of what I'm trying to capture is. And once we have that, I'm like, let's not bother these people. You know, let's not go crazy. Let's not just shoot for the sake of shooting. That's just my approach. That's that's very, that's personal to me. So I think this next question transcends just American Juggle in particular and extends out into, <laughs> uh, into Florida Man and right, huh? uh, Oxiana for sure of... How do you get people to, how do you help people, I should say, open up and speak naturally into the camera and make them comfortable and just create that vibe? Mm. Do you want to talk about that? Because I think it happens before we get, I could speak to what I do. I mean, I think what I, the word that comes to mind is just presence. I think if, if we're able to be present with people in the moment, we just get to be together in the moment that we're in with them. 
and then it gets to feel like a very I don't know I think that's why the moments are often very genuine and natural because yeah they're genuinely sparked by curiosity and I personally I know this sounds really like woo woo whatever but it's so true I wouldn't be still doing this I do this as a spiritual practice because it reconnects me with different environments it reconnects me with myself it reconnects me with the people that I dwell on this earth with and I'm learning with them like I'm learning about them right then and there and they're learning about me so you know some stuff takes place off camera some bonding some talking that kind of thing but it's usually like right there like you're seeing it it's earned right there in that moment people feel it and they open up you know I wish you know it's something I think I used to be more superstitious about like people would ask me that question I'd be like oh god I don't know I don't know I don't know but like more and more I'm like I'm owning it I'm I'm using these people as a vehicle for awakening myself and reconnection and learning how to be in a moment because when I'm not and when any interviewer is not in the moment and they're looking at a list of questions or referencing their phone or adjusting the camera or whatever it is they're not fully there they're one thought away from really being there with that person and when you're not one thought away and you've done the work yourself through psychedelics and meditation and you're on cannabis, you can really show up. You can really show up. And people feel that. It's palpable. And when you're there to listen, people want to have their stories told. Sometimes it's so desperate they need to have their stories told. That was the case in Oxiana. Yeah. We went down to this town and all these people, they'd never seen a camera like that before. They don't, you know, like they're, they're not used to that. And they saw an opportunity to amplify their story. And to get some notice out like about this problem because they so desperately needed help. It's like, please send it down this way. We've been forgotten and they've been forgotten in so many ways. This is an old coal mining town. The industry just packed up and left and leaves these people to suffer for generations. This pill comes along that's worth a lot on the black market and people can, I mean, they ruin their lives over it. But then, you know, well, I have $2,000 for the first time ever. I could put food on the table. I could feed my family. So it's like a fucked up situation that... I, for one, didn't feel qualified to make too much commentary about. So my filmmaking style actually really lent itself to their story. They just needed to have their stories and their voices amplified a little bit. We could do that and capture the essence of that place and put music to it that captures the tone and the textures of what they're going through. And Them showing up and being honest is the foundation, though. It's the foundation for all of that stuff. I don't have anything if I don't have these people genuinely showing up. And the only the only thing that I could see is the thread through all of these 10 or 12 films we've made is that I've just shown up really humble and honest myself. And they can feel that. And stayed out of the frame. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. I think there's a lot of a lot of that where the documentary is, uh, is a mirror of the person making it. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's great. You know, sometimes <clears throat> that's what the work's about. Yeah. But I think your format is so interesting because there's no narration. There's almost no title cards or anything. Full immersion. It's just here's people in their environment. Yeah. Yeah. It, feel, it feels to me like it is who is who Sean is all about. Like it is him. Like these films are how he finds other people, finds himself through other people, but like the deepest parts of the connection. Yeah. The parts where we deeply connect. And that's why I think other people, when they see these films, are able to deeply connect with these people, too. Yeah. We're facilitating a holy moment. And that that holy moment can happen between the audience and the person 
on camera, not just me and the person, you know, don't even think about me when you're watching these things. Have your holy moment with this person because that's what they showed up for. So, I mean, that, that was Florida, man. Yeah. That was, that was the making of Florida, man. You know, w- w- the way we made Oxiana was picking up hitchhikers and embedding ourselves in this town and just, n- we knew everyone in that fucking town. How long were you there for? Um, probably in total, maybe like six weeks. Wow. We'd spent a week there and then another week there without cameras. And then we were there for four weeks with cameras and I was there for an additional two without just me. Yeah. And, uh, just hanging out with people, going on fucking some hair raising adventures to say the least. Holy fuck. And, but like what? Uh, I mean, like one day we pick up pick up a hitchhiker and uh he's telling us a story and you know no one comes right out and says we're hooked on pills like they don't say that but they start saying some other stuff that you're like oh they're addicted and they're looking for a fix and this guy started telling us about his family and he said uh you should meet my son you know and he's talking about his son just got out of prison he's talking he's slowly but surely revealing how violent his son is and how oh. scary he is and he's describing a guy that to me looks like a fucking shadowy, crazy spider monster. And I'm like, oh God, whatever. So we're going, we pull up to, they call them hollers. You know, you pull down this long holler and there's this, these couple, um, what are they called? Motorhomes or uh, RVs, trailers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trailers. They they live in trailers. So, uh, sorry. I'm just, just smoked a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so we pull up and he's like, where's my son? Went, David, Dave, come out. This guy, was 10 times what I thought he would look like. Talk about a crazy dark shadow spider. Like this guy comes out. All he had, he just had a pair of pants on and a hammer. And he just comes walking right up to me. And I'm like, I'm bracing. I'm trying to play cool, play cool, play cool, man. Don't react, don't react. Don't get ready like he's trying to fight you. What the fuck? This guy's coming closer. He just puts in a nail in the tree next to me and just hits it three times right in. And he's like, all right, where are we going? And he grabs the keys to this rented minivan that we had. And me and my cinematographer, Hillary, get in with him because we're like, he's either stealing this or we're going with him and playing it cool. So we get in with him. We leave our other friend behind. And Hillary's the cinematographer, but she's not there to be the cinematographer. She was there on scouting trip. Like, people yeah. didn't even know we were making a movie. We were just saying, like, what would be... You, did you have cameras at this point? No or? cameras. You're, you're this just... is us just hanging out for a while. Wow. And God bless Hillary for even doing this. But we get in with this guy, and he's driving around these one-lane mountain roads that are like, if you're going 20 miles an hour, it feels crazy. He was literally, I'm not exaggerating, he was going 90. And I said, I'm going to die in this van today. And Hillary knew it too. And I remember I was sitting in the back, and she was sitting in the front, and she like looked back at me like, I guess we're cool with this. At least this guy's blasting the misfits. Like This is some fucked up shit, but we're going to die today. Like Knew it. Knew it. Anyway, somehow we don't pull up to a crack house we didn't die we pull up to a crack house and uh as we're walking in hillary's whispering to me like i'm not smoking crack like we're playing it cool but i'm not smoking crack and i'm like hillary i'm not fucking smoking crack either like jesus christ <laughs> i'm just gonna smoke a little crack uh, well that's what i ended up doing no, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no we got in there and uh, i hadn't been around um the, i've been around crackheads but not the act of people smoking crack and it's mm. dirty man it's nothing like what we do when we smoke pot it's yeah. dark and it's dirty and it was just really really bad but uh you know we sat it's the there it's between rocks and flowers yeah it is it's yeah. a big difference and the way that they do it like they're hitting it and they won't exhale that shit unless four people like i'll, I'll exhale it into your mouth and then you're gonna pass it over there because that shit these people Whoa. have no money yeah and so 
I don't know. We get back in the car with this guy and he's like, look, I'll take you to go buy weed. And we're like, all right, sure. And like we gave him 80 bucks cause we needed some weed for the week. Mm-hmm. And he gave us like, he came back and gave us like a nugget, yeah. you know, like he just fucking completely ripped us off. But we were so scared of this guy that we just let him rip us off. And then he just fucking tore us back and just took us back to the place. This is another day in this guy's life. Like, yeah, th- this guy's like, Oh, access to a car. Let's go on an adventure. The thing I just described in two minutes went on for two and a half hours of like, Oh, one more stop. Okay. Now we got to go over here and like pick up this gas can and bring it over to this place. And then we're going to come back over here. And then it's just, and every stop is different drugs and some are being done behind closed doors and some are being done out in public like crack. Okay. Whatever. We can all do that in front of each other. So we were just, you know, it was just such a fucking crazy thing, but being down there, I understood the essence of it. I understood the essence of that place how it looked, how it felt, almost like why it came to be. And that was the fun of making that movie is I got to go down there with a whole bunch of my really close friends and uh, we had raised money on Kickstarter to do it and we had money to do it and it was exciting and it was already getting attention before we even made it. And we went down there and we did what we set out to do. It's like, it's fucking super fucking cool. And now people know about their story. And at the time, the document of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, we knew what we, were, we, we knew that's what we were doing. I did not think it was going to be controversial and it was extremely controversial. And it seems crazy to say this now, but um, people were saying that there's not an opioid epidemic and that we were making that up basically to like promote a movie. That's free, by the way, that we <laughs> lost money making, by the yeah. way, which you do when you make documentaries. But people will fucking cast bullshit on you saying oh this is this is what you why you're doing this is no no not really i came across this town and it's a crazy story and i want to tell it yeah and this isn't about money and but people accused us of making up that there's an opioid epidemic but not only did i realize there was an opioid epidemic i was like this is the center of it this is this is the epicenter that probably exists uh in every state across this country so many yeah just all over the place yeah absolutely uh, I, years and years ago, my friend and I were in Northern California trying to get up to Arcata and there was a mudslide. So everyone was stuck at this town and we were all just chilling mm-hmm. and we're like, Oh, we'll go walk to one of these redwoods that you can walk through. Mm-hmm. And these girls pulled over and they said, you guys want to ride? And we're like, yeah, sure. You know, like we're all stuck. We can't get to the other side of the mudslide. Yeah. And so they're like, we're going to smoke a joint. We're like, cool. And so they're driving around a little bit too fast and they start talking about, you know, where are you guys from? Oh, we're from your Tweeka. And then they start talking about which of the truck drivers are they going to get uh, speed from? Wow. And my friend and I are like, cool. Uh, just uh, drive us back to that Redwood, please. We are, yeah. we're going to keep going and hiking <laughs> in the Redwoods. We're going to do a little something different. Well, see, this is what my life has become. I would have stuck with them. Yeah. I'd probably still be friends with them. I yeah. probably would have made a short film about the situation. Right. And, uh, and in the process, not protected my heart and thus expanded it. Yeah. So that's why I'm addicted to this. It's just such a, an expensive habit to be pulling cameras out when you, right. you know, but I do it. Uh, we do it in our day to day life now more yeah. and more. Yeah. No cameras are involved. We just go deep and get into people's life and just let them get us high. Get in the passenger seat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why not? So I feel like in your work, there's, I mean, they're not quite a trilogy, but Mm. Uh, the juggalos and the the sort of men that are just wandering around in Florida, man, <laughs> and in Oxiana, uh, fit together in a way. They're sort of misfits. Yeah. They're, they're they're people that have been neglected by society. Fringe Americana. Fringe Americana. There you go. And people that don't get their stories told. Mm-hmm. And then cam girls. 
yeah. is a very interesting one where there's this other layer where it's people who are used to being on camera. Yeah. And when I first saw it, I noticed something that took me a little while to articulate, but that one feels more like they're telling the world how they want to be seen. Mm. Yeah. There's like an extra layer, whereas yeah. the jugglers are just like, hey, what's up? This is my story. Yeah. And that yeah. one feels a little bit more like, this is my thing that I want you to come away with from mm. this. And there's a little bit of that intention. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so because, like, they're, you know, believe it or not, such a disrespected portion of society mm-hmm. that, um, like, every one of them, we probably interviewed for our movie Cam Girls, how many people? 50 people. Yeah. All the stories were, were the same. All the stories were about empowerment yeah. and, you know, how much freedom they felt and how, like, they were escaping, like, like they were escaping this mundane existence of $7 an hour and working at Pizza Hut mm-hmm. or, or they were escaping the threat of college debt or they were escaping just fucking a vanilla life that wasn't getting them off in any way. And like, there was all just these just very positive narratives and the dark stuff. And this is how we tried to represent it in the movie is all right there. Yeah. It's all right there. So the people are like, Oh, what? that one feels like a love letter. And I'm like, Oh, it is. We have mad love for them. The, the darkness of, of that story in, in the way I think it is, is all right there in the movie. And it has to do with disconnection and these very strange devices being used in lieu of real personal connection and mm-hmm. one girl representing, you know, many, 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 many men watching her. It's and being alone with your self-reflection for eight hours a day. Yeah. That's totally the, I mean, I'm sure, like the juggalos, like you're at their gathering. This mm-hmm. is the physical place where people who are coming from all over and yeah. they're one of six juggalos in their little community yeah. now get to hang out with their whole their whole tribe and, yeah. and gather up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Cam Girls was... Cam Girls probably changed our life more than any of the movies we made because wow. we, were, we were around people that, you know... It wasn't like a gathering or something. It wasn't like a profile piece. It, and Oxiana was really dark. It, the reason we made Cam Girls is because we're like, the, people think this is a fucked up profession and we know it's not. Let's just go and just do right by them and see where it goes. And we had just made Oxiana. It was so dark and just interview after interview where I'm just conjuring darkness and all this stuff. And I'm like, God, I just want to like, I want to just do something light and bright. Yeah, let's go make a documentary about people that uh, make desserts and give back rubs. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, let's make a documentary about puppies. <laughs> naked girls, come on. Naked girls. Yeah, we're like, yeah. let's just go hang out with naked girls a little bit. Yeah. No, but we we went towards it, and they turned it up, they turned us onto acid and DMT and um, polyamory, all these things, all these things. They opened our eyes to so much, and and we. But again, it just very, from what I took away from a very positive decision for all these people, if you understand where they were coming from. If you understand the American nightmare, which is the threat of all of our movies, is like, yeah. how are people dealing with that? Yeah. Life in the Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have any sense <laughs> of how many of the cam girls are still actively camming or how many? Maybe half. Half, yeah. Maybe, maybe less. Wow. It, it, yeah. It might, like, it, it, it might even be like maybe a quarter of the, the women that were in this movie that we put out four or five years ago. Yeah, a lot of doing. them like had a plan to like, okay, I'm paying, I'm doing this to get to through school like i'm paying for school right now and they're like i'm gonna go do what i want to do i'm I'm a social worker now and that sort of thing that's awesome cam girls too yeah just go just go find the stories of what they're doing now well i mean that's what we we did make american juggalo too 
because while we're at the the gathering, I thought I said we should make a sequel to this already, where we just follow one motherfucker home and mm-hmm. just make like an unabashed like here's what their life is like. Yeah. And I really, really wanted to do that, but schedules couldn't work out when we were making American Juggalo. And then years later, we met this Juggalo, Less Legs. Holy shit, this guy. And we just made American Juggalo 2 about him. We just got into his life. And... He lost his legs as a kid. Right. Uh, get, got hit by a train. Um, black guy living in like Amish, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's just a badass motherfucker who, who knows about knows about how to sh- spread the light. Oh, God, yeah. But it, it was that like, okay, here's the essence of this group, but, and here is it reflected really strongly in one person. It, you know? it, that one's in, in particular, I think, really hits the nail of what that essence of the Juggalo phenomenon is about, where it's, this is about family, this is about love, this is about beauty, this is about soul. Mm-hmm. Now listen to me freestyle about <laughs> killing my bitch ex-girlfriend. Totally. Yeah, he had some good flows about that yeah, stuff. You yeah, know? But yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So... I I I, lo- I love the work that you guys have done, and I'm I'm so glad that you, you know, found me and have been uh, helping me find my voice, and have been such a huge part of my journey. And I'd love to share that magic with all of the listeners that are tuning into the ritual. Yes, so we have to. Cool. What's uh What's gonna be? Let's come up with our our, our spell. Mm. Something nice and small, like the least that you can do to uh, bear witness for other people and mm. see them, I, see their light. I, I I know this is going to sound really basic and simple, That's but it's also love. hard. I'm I'm the most basic wizard. I'm I'm all selfies at brunch with mimosas. <laughs> Go out and meet a motherfucker. <laughs> Introduce yourself to somebody. Introduce you know? yourself to somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's where it all starts with us. You see someone that. interesting, you just get that feeling about them. You want to know more about them. We have an excuse to do it. Yeah. But would I be doing it if I were here in this podcast? I don't know. Maybe not. But we have an excuse to do it. You have an excuse with your wizard thing. We I mean, that, I said other people have to do that. I, I just went and did uh, some subway wizarding the other night, and I was like, I'm literally just filtering down who are the people that are going to come over and say hi to the wizard. Mm. Who are the people that are going to say, I can't pass, like, what is going on? Yeah. I got to go meet this yeah. guy. Yeah. And I just greet them as openly as I can and say, that's what we're here for. Welcome. Yeah. Um, that's what it's about open your heart and meet somebody even if it's your uber driver take your headphones yeah. out and talk to somebody meet somebody because uh people are drugs they can get you high too more yeah. importantly they can get you free and they you know I've, I've always found that to be the most fascinating thing is that you will hear the most beautiful prose come out of the most unexpected person mm-hmm. some crazy homeless guy you talk to them for a few minutes and they will turn a phrase they're for, this was over a decade ago. I was talking to a guy, and he said, you know, there's a lot of fighters out here. They cause trouble. Not me. I'm mellow like a nursery school at nap time. <laughs> and I was like, well, that is the best expression I've ever heard, yeah. you know. I'm all like, like, um, you know, like, um, 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 <laughs> you know. And this guy's out here just spitting poetry. Well, because he has to. He, you know, when you're, when you're operating, and this is a lot of the subjects we go towards, when you're operating in, in that, like, pocket of life, you got to be sharp and good to get people's attention. You know, you have a short amount of time with people. You're gonna get, pen- you're gonna earn plenty of people's time. You're clean. Yeah. You have money. You're walking around. You can afford food and clothes and stuff. You have a yeah. cool beard. You know, like you. But this guy can't. He's got to have those zingers. Those mm-hmm. it's just a reflection of the way he's had to live. It's gonna sharpen that that yeah. real sword. Yeah. So I just I, I just encourage people like it. It is inviting magic into your world when you yeah. invite the opportunity to like anytime you leave your house. Say hi to somebody. Open up. Tell yourself. T- tell somebody about yourself. You know, yeah. I was. I remember one Uber ride where, 
it was a long ass ride. It was a half hour, and we sang together the whole time. That's amazing. You know, yeah, like, fucking so cool. We were trying to think of Bruce Springsteen songs and sing them together. So, invite that magic into your into your life, and just introduce yourself to one person this week. Absolutely. All right, Sean and Cass, thank you so much for being a part of the ritual. I'm sure we'll. We'll have you guys on here many, many more times to come. I hope so. Echoing out throughout time and space. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Devin. Peace and love. To check out the documentaries that were mentioned in this episode, you can visit veryape.tv, where Sean and Cass have graciously uploaded them all for free for your viewing pleasure. And to hear more of my conversations with Sean and Cass, you can check out their podcast, at soundcloud.com slash podcast. There's three episodes that we've done together, ranging from when I was just a baby wizard, fresh off the success of my first Kickstarter spell, up to a conversation we recorded the same night as this one. And for those of you just tuning into this podcast as a ritual for the first time, we'd love it if you became a true participant in our magical spell by going to patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where an offering of just $4.20 will help you become a part of the magic. Until next time, I'm Devin Person saying, I believe in you, your magic is real. Mm-hmm.